I'm glad we have Deborah Saunders on today because I was decrying the media earlier. Of course, I suppose I do that every day if I were to be honest. But uh, I was tuning, be honest. I was tuning into the Trump hating channels yesterday, your MSNBC and your CNN, and they were leading with the Trump story du jour. Uh, firing the pollster or having his rally, but he didn't do whatever. Various aid rumored to be thinking of leaving. Yeah, exactly. That sort of crap. And not leading with the, and we're sending a thousand troops to Iran, and we've got senators calling for military action, which seems like a pretty big story to me. Mm-hmm. And it just it just bothers me that we're so obsessed with the daily Trump this and that, and poll numbers five hundred days out that you do, we don't even cover that level of foreign policy story. Right. Never mind domestic policy and the gigantic elephant in the room, which is. Uh... Uh, debts and deficits, as uh, the fabulous Deborah J. Saunders points out in a recent piece for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Uh, the headline is the deficit in media questioning, and I love the uh, the first sentence: trade secret. We in the news media often hate the media too. Deborah J. Saunders joins us now. Deborah, how are you? Hello. How are we today? We are fine. Let's all join together and talk about how we hate the media. We hate the media. I mean, that's what people don't know. We people can can go after certain news organization and uh, they they go after Trump and he talks about fake news. But the truth is, we hate ourselves too. <laughs> we look at other people who do things that we really can't stand, and it drives us nuts. Well, I love the uh, example you lead with. You're talking about the Peter G. Peterson Foundation's annual summit where CNN senior congressional respondent Manu Raju was interviewing Nancy Pelosi. The topic was supposed to be fiscal sustainability. How did that go? Well, he hardly noticed that there is a $22 trillion national debt, and we have annual deficits now of a trillion dollars or more, and it just sort of seemed like an aside. All he wanted to do was talk about impeachment. And he wanted to talk about, you know, Trump's tweets and impeachment. That was it. And people in the audience were going uh, nuts. And Pelosi, now, let's face it, we know that her party is not exactly the party of fiscal prudence, right? And she kept saying, but let's talk about the deficit. And he wouldn't do it. He had two questions that had to do with it, and they weren't even that good. But it the, was just but the, really disappointing. But the audience didn't seem to be into the impeachment stuff? No, because this was people were there to discuss federal spending. I love this fiscal sustainability. It's a nice way of saying, "Oh my God, we're like tons of fifty thousand dollars in debt for every man, woman, and child in the country. It is a problem. How are we ever going to pay it back?" And it keeps getting bigger every year. It's it's like uh, giving a teenager a credit card, and it just was something that barely came up. Well, so I'm just trying to figure out. So whether it's politicians or the media, are they are they looking at the ratings or or reading the crowds at all? I mean, if the crowd is not digging it, then maybe that's not what you should be talking about. If your ratings are down thirty percent, like they're on MSNBC, maybe talking about still talking about Russian Mueller is not the best way to go. I I don't know what's driving this. Well, in, I, 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 maybe I could have mentioned that CNN aired about 17 minutes of that live. And, of course, CNN is all about impeachment, about Trump tweets. It's about bashing Trump. So what did Manu Raju do? He did what the people back in the control room want, and that's Trump, Trump, Trump. And, I mean, by the way, there is a Trump issue. It's called the deficit. <laughs> but that just didn't seem to interest them. It was all about the Trump show. 
Yeah, wow. I you know, it's funny because we've been beating the drum of the deficit deficit and the overspending. We were talking to George Will just a few minutes ago about how, you know, 20% of what the government does, we're heaping the bill on the unborn and how utterly utterly immoral that is. But man, I just don't think you can get people to pay attention anymore. I wonder if CNN was right in that decision. Because they think, hey, we're going. I've been hearing about the deficit thing most of my adult life. We're still fine. We're still spending. Boring. Well, I'll say this. Eamon Javers interviewed McMulvaney later, and he is the acting chief of staff for the White House. He was the OMB director. He knows knows the budget in and out. And he gave a really good interview that got into some of the tweets and, and, and the other issues like that. But it also talked about federal spending. And, okay, it's, it's, a, it's a room full of policy wonks. So obviously in that kind of situation, uh, they're going to eat it up. But um, I also think taxpayers sort of wonder, hey, <laughs> they, they, they actually might like a discussion about overspending or under taxation, as Nancy Pelosi would put it. Um, <laughs> under but, taxation. There you go. <laughs> So, so I, I think I, you know, I think people are hungry for that sort of thing, and uh, and I can tell you that it was just the audience was was uh, clapping when Pelosi kept saying, "Oh, a policy question? How did that get in there?" They they were not going for this. And again, I mean, it's not like we can't hear this over and over and over again whenever we turn on cable news. So why not actually discuss the topic of the summit, which is? federal spending right god you'd think if anybody would or anywhere it would be discussed that would be a good place deborah saunders white house correspondent for the las vegas review journal on the line old uh old old what's her name uh sarah their uh, huckabee saunders uh taking off i guess huh now she's a saunders and uh, she's a sanders and i'm a saunders you're, she's you're a saunders related. she's sanders right sorry my mistake yeah. and the press secretary who wasn't doing a lot of press secretary and is gone does it make any difference that they even need to replace her Yes, they do. And the question is, will, will the next press secretary do briefings? Um, I tend to think not, at least not a lot. I think the daily briefings are gone. I think whoever the next president is isn't necessarily going to do it. Although, I, you know, I could really be wrong because why don't we have briefings? I don't believe it's Sarah Sanders for a minute. I believe it's Donald Trump. Donald Trump wants to be his own spokesman. He wants to be his own press secretary. Is there any reason why, he, why, why that doesn't make sense? Well, he, he, he gives he answer he often yeah. comes yeah. out and answers questions for a very long time. Yes, but you can't really have the kind of um, uh, the okay. So the, he is really accessible. He has pool sprays in all the time, and he talks at length. When he goes to Marine One, he takes questions. But you're not you can't get follow ups when you've got a helicopter in the background, and you can't really get into the kind of. Uh, Conversation, George Stephanopoulos, I thought, did an incredible interview with Trump over 30 hours. And that was that had follow-up questions, and, and that got deeper. Uh, and when you have a briefing, you sort of have an uh, administration think about how things are going to be portrayed. I think it does help shape policy. And I think that uh, at times uh, President Trump would be better served by having someone sort of not give the quick, snappy answers he gives for the reason something's happening. And the other thing, of course, is it's not – all but unusual for Donald Trump to contradict himself within a paragraph. Especially He's a complex man. Very complicated. Deborah Saunders, White House correspondent <laughs> for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Uh, that. <laughs> yeah, well, Deborah, it's always fun. Thanks uh, for a couple minutes, and let's talk again soon. 
Okay, thank you. All Bye-bye. right, see you later. All right, like a positive Sean. I like you wrapping up a Trump conversation. Yeah, what do you get? Well, he's a complicated man. Anyway, right. thank you. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, where do you go? Where do you go from there? So, uh, oh, Deborah uh, San, uh, not uh, Deborah Saunders there, uh, Sarah Huckabee Saunders. Sanders. 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 Now, are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. All right. Sarah Huckabee said, get Deborah Saunders' name off the screen. It's confusing me. But uh, so the Huckabee woman, can I just call her that? You wanna, I'm not going to say how I remember. I won't say how I remember. Why not? It's not? Because it's not nice. Why it's, would you bring it's it a up? Good, it's a good, um, what do you call that, mnemonic device? It's oh. a good way for me to remember, but it's not It's not nice. So, But wow. it helps me remember. But you're not going to say what it is? No. No. It's mean-spirited. Buck, 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 buck. You need to say it so I don't ever say it. It actually has something to do with buck, buck, buck. Oh, really? Yeah. As in Colonel Sanders. Interesting. Oh, she's eating too much, Colonel Sanders. That's what you're thinking, isn't it? That's what he's thinking, folks. Anyway, he's a complicated Guilty. man. Anyway, she's a complicated press secretary. But I want—I—I I, I was going to ask Deborah Saunders uh, whether she'd recommended me for the job because I'd asked her to do that before. Uh, here's here's how I would be the press secretary. Positive, Sean. You got to—you hit me with a question. Uh, yes, uh, the, the, your your recent treaties uh, with various uh, foreign countries. Uh, how, how do you think those will play out? And uh, I don't remember. I'll have to. I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> Michael, do you have a question? Uh, uh, Michelangelo, uh, the New York Times. Uh, yeah, um, the policy in New York on um, soda. What's the deal with that? Yeah, I'm not really sure. I don't know. <laughs> Are we going to war with Iran? Uh, Washington Post. You know, we might. I don't know. It's hard to to say. NBC. uh, What do you know, sir? Eh, I know I'm tired of this. (laughs) Who's with me? Let's go out to the South Lawn and... I don't know. Play some wiffle golf or something. You know, Sarah Huckabee Sanders said... She's got a bar... She, I don't know if you saw her tearful goodbye the other day. And Trump, I did not. Tr- Trump said some really nice... Was, I think it was on your anniversary, so he probably didn't. That'd, ah, be, yeah. that'd be a terrible way to spend your anniversary. Oh, boy, yeah. Hold on, honey. I'll be right there. I gotta watch this. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, My wife and I got some fried chicken for our anniversary, Jack. So, um... <laughs> So Trump said some really nice things about her, and then she stood up there, and then she she kind of half blubbering said, "This was the honor of my life to serve this man," and blah blah wow. blah. I mean, she was she meant full throated, you know, yeah, a Trump loyalist right there. At the, Fishing for the a end. pardon, <laughs> a pardon. Wow, <laughs> bye bye. The liberal media, a pardon. The liberal media, right there, folks. Yes, I did. I would think she eats too much Kentucky oh, Fried no, Chicken, no. and that's how I remember you pronounce it Sanders. No, that's what I did. I'm a bad person. Oh. I'm like ML Kelly Jr. Oh, what? You need to give me a great part. Scott. You if you're to... just tuning in, there's context. You there. need to look at my good points and ignore my bad points. It's the same situation. Okay. All right. I'm disassociating myself from all of this. I've got a few more on that. I'm glad I'm the that. press secretary now and not in this talk show thing. I've got a few more on that coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So I've been going through this long article that was published in a um, in Great Britain because no none of your major uh, U.S. publications wanted apparently to put out an article that says a lot of not very flattering things about Martin Luther King Jr. It all. Uh, it, 
I don't think there's anybody currently claiming it's not true. I mean, it's pretty well documented. The, the guy, uh, David Garrow, is a biographer of Martin Luther King. He's won a Pulitzer Prize for that. Unavowed lefty. Um, he also includes all of the documentation, including the actual photos of the FBI notes and all this sort of stuff. And <clears throat> and it'd be difficult to attack him because he knows and everybody else knows the audio is going to come out in about nine years. Sure. And prove that, yeah, this is what happened. These are the audio tapes of Martin Luther King Jr. in a in a room full of women having an orgy, for instance. I'm uh, I'm shocked but not surprised by the American media passing on the story. I mean, it unquestionably is not a good look for Dr. King. Um, I mean, he's just plainly a sex pig. At least he's got something wrong with him, and he's to the yeah, point there's something wrong with him. He would he, he would he would leave his wife and family. Who in this one phone call, I can uh, actually... Agree. I don't want to get... get okay. Let me finish, though, just because, like like uh, J. Edgar Hoover, you're obsessed with the sex. Um, <laughs> I kid. Uh, but I'm astounded that they would pass on this because, I mean, that's absolutely a big part of the article, but it's also an article about the unjustifiable surveillance of an American citizen and using the FBI as a weapon and all sorts of things that are well worth talking about. Oh, definitely. And yeah, and whether or not the FBI, well, I know the FBI should not be doing this sort of stuff. Absolutely not. I don't think they should have been doing the stuff, the sort of stuff they were doing with Donald Trump either. And who knows what they've done in between that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, you know, on that, on the, on the him having a problem, at one point his wife's on the phone with him and these are all recorded conversations because the FBI was spying on MLK pretty much 24 hours a day. Um, his wife's saying, you didn't spend 10 hours at home with me and the kids last month. He's got a girl in the room with him having that conversation while his wife's yelling at him. He actually says to his wife, why don't you have some sexual affairs or something? Um, which is a weird thing to say. Wow. Yeah. He leaves that girlfriend who, who thinks they're an item. Yeah. Um, lying to his wife, lying to the girlfriend, flies back to Atlanta where he's got a girl waiting in an apartment that one of his aides is lined up so he can have sex before he gets home. Again, I mean, he's got a problem. Wow. Wow. But that aside, getting away from that, he and he and uh, the FBI director at the time, J. Edgar Hoover, kind of went to war there because uh, it got worse and worse. And at some point, J. Edgar Hoover said publicly that Martin Luther King Jr. is a notorious liar. He said that in front of microphones, mm. which got a lot of news attention at the time. This was 60 five or something like that king responded with a telegram telling hoover that he was appalled and surprised at your reported statement maligning my integrity and asserting that j edgar hoover had apparently faltered under the awesome burden complexities and responsibilities of the office wow so that's a very dignified thing to say to somebody who just called you a liar that's some great spin king professed nothing but sympathy for the man who has served his country so well but in a wiretapped phone conversation that were quickly passed to FBI headquarters so Hoover would hear it, King instructed aides to ask civil rights allies to speak out so that Hoover would be hit from all sides. Hoover complained to his own aides that I can't understand why we're unable to get the true facts before the public. We're never we're never taking the aggressive. So MLK was trying to rally everybody. Get anything you can on Hoover. Blast him anytime you can. We need to attack him from all sides. Hoover's saying, how is this guy getting over as such a virtuous leader of anything when we know his real background? Um which is kind of an interesting thing. So then the FBI sends an audio recording of MLK having sex to Martin Luther King Jr. with a note suggesting he kill himself. 
Um, the head of the FBI. The head of the FBI. Sent the tape. Well, he did it through like nine layers. This guy gave sure. it to that guy, to the guy, to the guy that, so that yeah. they couldn't get caught on it. But right. after, and this is in the letter, after telling King to lend your sexually psychotic ear to the enclosure. Oh, boy. Well, that's an interesting way to write a letter. You will find on the record for all time audio evidence of your adulterous acts, your sexual orgies involving various evil playmates, including Dolores Evans. So they put a name on there to let you know we do know. This is real. Calling him an evil, abnormal beast. The letter instructed, there's only one thing for left for you to do, and you know what it is. You have just 34 days in which to do it. That ends up being Christmas Day. So for some reason, they're saying you need to kill yourself by Christmas Day. There's but one way out for you. You better take it before your filthy, abnormal, fraudulent self is bared to the nation. Wow. That's the FBI sending a letter to MLK. There's statue within, I'm guessing, blocks or a short drive of where the FBI building. Absolutely. I yeah. mean, it, that's just crazy. One thing I was reminded of in, in reading the article quickly is, uh, or part of it, is the use of the term unnatural acts yeah. and how popular that was at the time. Uh, a number of those acts might be unnatural, but uh, I may be guilty of violating the laws of nature. Wow. They're uh, enjoyable acts. MLK was into it. Well, what are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? Everybody's got a hobby. Sure. sure. Um, uh, Marshall's got his news next on the Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. I'll say for a final time, we have it linked at our website, The Troubling Legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. from uh, one of his biographers who won a Pulitzer Prize. That's at armstrongandgetty.com. You know, when the tapes do come out, we've already had an astute listener point out uh, via the email line, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. He said people deny they're uh, real. Yeah. They'll call them deep fakes. They will. And- that, that, does, that shouldn't work in that plenty of people have heard them. They do exist. Right. And again, what's really interesting is if you deny the reality of them, you're denying that sometimes the government targeted civil rights leaders and tried to ruin them, which you'd think, you know, that side of the question, not that there are sides really, but you'd think people with a great deal of sympathy to Dr. King would want to say, yeah, clearly that was going on, puts them in a bit of a spot, which is why just tell the truth, you know, and sometimes it's inconvenient to you. It's just the way life is. They used to bring us up to be that way, Jack, in a simpler time when they were tapping the phones of civil rights leaders. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, U.S. is indeed sending another thousand troops to the Mideast as differences with Iran continue to intensify. Now, the deployment of security forces and troops for additional surveillance and intelligence gathering is coming after Tehran announced it's not going to plot comply any longer with the international nuclear deal that keeps it from making nuclear weapons. Meanwhile, the Pentagon has just released new photos they say prove Iran attacked two tankers in the Gulf of Oman. The color photos show what the U.S. claims are an Iranian ship and Revolutionary Guard soldiers removing an unexploded mine from a Japanese-owned oil tanker last week. U.S. Central Command said in the statement that the ability of Iranian forces to quickly remove the mine proves that they were behind it. Yeah, I don't think that's a question. I mean, to me, if Adam Schiff, who couldn't hate everything Trump does more, is willing to say, oh, it's clearly the Iranians, then okay, it's the Iranians. Now we just got to decide what we do with that information. 
In Orlando, huge crowds are gathering. They've been gathering since last night as President Trump prepares to formally launch his re-election campaign with a rally that will be held within hours. Police bracing for the large crowds. While the Amway Center holds 20,000 people, Trump tweeted that there were 100,000 requests for tickets. Amway got the naming rights of that stadium? Yep. That's kind of funny. Amway Center. And huh. apparently pe- people started arriving yesterday afternoon to get in line. Uh, yeah, it, it might be uh, quite the hoot nanny. It might be worth tuning in this afternoon. Well, they had six figures worth of applications for tickets. Yeah. Only, how? what's the capacity? 20,000. 20,000? 20, 20, yeah. That's amazing. And they've set up, you know, your big screens all around the outside for the people who can't get in for the on, overflow. On, on every level, it'll be what yeah. you get from a Trump rally. It'll be Trump being hilarious. It'll be the media picking out the worst three people out of 120,000 and then saying that's what they're all like. It'll, it'll every, every aspect of it will be covered. You know what? And this is crazy. Uh, Trump's people, you can use this one for free if you like. <laughs> uh, you ought to book a rally... Um, now, this is the alleged official kickoff rally, whatever yes, the yeah, heck yeah. that means. Should have booked it at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Can you imagine 120,000 people? Some sort of Billy Graham sort of style thing going on there. Right. Just a super gigantic rally. I mean, how could you ignore that? Wow. I mean, that would be something. Yeah. All right, Positive Sean, can we have a one-word market report? Yeah, the market is zippy. Wow. <laughs> yes. Stocks, zippy. Stocks are zippy today after President Trump tweeted he's planning to hold an extended meeting with the Chinese president at the G20 summit in there Japan. There you go. Trump saying he spoke to uh, President Xi on the phone and the two had very good discussions about trade. That's what she said. So, um, I've got to admit, I had, had predicted that there would be a settlement of our trade differences by now. Uh, some of the Issues rather thorny, but man, that would be a good thing if we could at least, at least advance the ball. We're not going to yep. get everything. We're not going to have a communist regime give up being a communist regime. Wasn't Ian Bremmer's prediction we will win, but it could take months? Wasn't that his prediction on this yeah, show? Yeah, he was talking past Christmas. Making another move to stem the tide, the U.S. is officially now cutting millions of dollars in Central American aid. The State Department making the announcement saying the aid would only be resumed if governments there do more to stem the flow of migrants headed to the U.S. border. President Trump ordered the uh, cut uh, a while back, and now it is going through. Today, Facebook's going to unveil details about its new cryptocurrency project, codenamed Libra. Oh, boy. The new currency already's got the support from companies like Visa and PayPal. It's thought it'll allow more than 2 billion users across Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp to make uh, transactions without fees. You heard it here first. I had to tweet this prediction later today. I'll word it carefully so I don't end up sued or dead. Facebook will, at some point in the next 10 years, announce that their internal security forces uh, will begin patrolling the local area uh, to find and neutralize threats to the Facebook campus. Tanks with the Facebook logo on them. Listen, we have enhanced our uh, entirely (laughs) defensive capabilities. We now have a Facebook security friends force. 
of 125,000 men under some arms. Download the new app so our security force knows that you are not an enemy. So you don't get shot. Right. And for only 23 Facebook dollars, or the Libra, or whatever they're calling it, you can have an honorary Facebook Army t-shirt sent to your home. (laughs) I'm telling you, that's Zuckerberg's next step. The currency will reportedly... Hey, put them in brown shirts, Mark. That's a good look, huh? Summertime in California? (laughs) The currency will also reportedly be tied to traditional currency to protect it from volatility. So there you have it. The new improved cryptocurrency brought to you by Facebook. And then the uh, Facebook security forces will also uh, keep the currency from any instability by finding those who would try to cheat and and apprehending them for the proper American authorities. There you go. And if the proper American authorities don't respond, then the perpetrators will be tried in Facebook courts. Facebook courts. I'm telling you. next level. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Coming up, the disgusting sex life of Woody Guthrie. As I try to tear down 60s icons based on their bedroom habits. Oh, boy. It's a new feature I do. Oh, Oh, boy. Uh, Something completely different. Promise. Armstrong and Getty. And by the way, I don't think it was a coincidence that his chief of staff just happened to cough right when Trump was talking about releasing his tax returns. Yeah, that didn't sound like a real cough. It sounded more like a shut the f- up about your taxes. <laughs> That's what that was. That's the uh, the video that came out where Mulvaney coughs and Trump says, get out of here. And I, it seems like he was joking to me, but some people think no, it's serious. Oh, it did? Yeah. I thought it was just kind of dry, really dry humor. No, he That's made what him, I thought it was. He actually made him leave the room. No, get I the would hell too, out of here! Was coughing. Couldn't stop coughing, but I just it just looked like dry humor to me. But. Yeah. No? Right, listen to you. Listen to you. Just bending over for Trump. Oh, Whatever happened to you? I remember when you had character. I'm... <laughs> I'm just, I'm getting a little practice in, I'm going to become our own emailer. I'm going to email derisive, sarcastic, high-handed emails to the show to save you all the trouble. That's fantastic. You having a good time, Joe? I am. Thank you, Mr. President. Oh, that reminds me. So you're going to hear that sort of thing tonight as Trump Trump kicks off his re-election campaign, whatever that means. Um, And he's at some place called the Amway Center. Somebody texted, please tell me it's shaped like a pyramid. That's pretty funny. (laughs) Sure, well, certainly multi-level. I would assume Trump's going to be Trumpy by Trump standards at his big kickoff thing that will get even more coverage than usual. Will he do a speechwriter segment? No. An official campaign we're going to continue making America, keeping America great. But he might. I don't know. Go for the soaring rhetoric, at least part of it. There's going to be a lot of ad-libbing. Yeah. If not all ad-libbing. Right. Right. Tulsi Gabbard. Who's named Tulsi? Tulsi, they say. Tulsi. If you got- how about old Pocahontas? <laughs> if you got elected president winging it, what would you do? Well, I hear that. Mm-hmm. 
So what employees want and what employers are going to give you uh, don't match up, according to a new poll. Some of this makes me sad because, or maybe I'm not being cynical enough, the companies are doing the cheapest thing they can come up with. <laughs> sure. But I often, I often wonder, and I've worked for a lot of different companies, but I often wonder, how do you think that's being received? Mm. This move or this yeah. email or this whatever. I just think, do you think this is motivating people? You well, should ask somebody or ask, find a way to ask some people that would be honest. You find a general who understands the troops, you're going to have a great general. Likewise, bosses, CEOs, and, and the fact that it stands out, well, it's, it's rare. That's why it stands out. In a recent survey, account temps ask employees, what's the best summer perk companies could offer? 52% said... Oh, I know what it is. It's the uh, the, the watermelon full of, full of vodka. <laughs> That'd be They're a good in part. the lunchroom. You come to work every day, they got the big watermelon. <laughs> Somebody syringed it full of vodka. Hey, listen, pineapple full of rum. I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. No. But something like that. No, it can be a grapefruit with Everclear. I don't care. Four <laughs> o'clock, everybody gets together in the lunchroom. Huh? Come on. <laughs> huh? What? Uber rides for everyone. Pomegranates dipped in shine. It all works. 52% said what they want. Wait a minute. I think you have a problem. (laughs) I know I have a problem. 52% said what they want is flexible scheduling for the summer. Followed by 27% who would like to be able to leave early on Fridays. Okay. What did companies say they're going to give you? A relaxed summer dress code. (laughs) And a company picnic or potluck. Oh, boy. Which polls at the bottom of what employees want. There is... Oh, boy. A company potluck is the least likely place you will ever find me. I I cringed inside when you said that, and I didn't know it was coming. You know, listen, I'm not anti... Social get together. That's but the part that hurt me. It, it bothers me that everybody hates that now because it's actually good for us. I remember back in times past when people would do that sort of thing. It was good. You you got to know people you work with in ways you didn't know before, and you became friends and blah blah blah. But people don't want that anymore, mm-hmm. and you're not they, going to make them happy by forcing them to go. That's the part. It's not like coworkers can get together on their own. It's the it's the top down order. No, this is when we socialize and it's it's time for some spontaneous fun to happen right now. <laughs> well, and right, I, right. I think the other aspect of it is, you know, it's, it's not just the occasion, it's what kind of occasion? What's the vibe at the occasion? What are we doing and not doing at the occasion? You know, back in the day, not too long ago, you'd have a damn good time at the company Christmas party. Sometimes people would have a good time to access. And, of course, that meant we had to change the laws and the policy. And, and nothing happened and everything was fine. And so now it's just sucky. Now yeah, these things get, are all just uh, HR traps. Yeah, they right. give you oh, a, yeah, they well give, said. They give you a drink ticket, and then the afternoon of the get-together, they give you a, make sure, remember, this is very important that nobody overdrink. This is not a, okay, you just gave me a warning. You just you acted like the principal. I'm no longer interested on any level right. in showing up to this thing. Right. But I just think it's funny. One respondent was, we already have a relaxed dress code around here. I mean, just, I mean yeah. most places are so informal now. What do you, how much more relaxed are you going to get? You can wear a sports jersey. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, that would be festive. Uh, so a lot of people thought they'd like to be able to leave early on Fridays in the summer, that sort of stuff. And there are wow. reasonable... There are, I love that idea. Well, yeah, but there are reasons companies can't, you know... Cut the work week shorter. Because they hate their employers or their employees. <laughs> Dang it. But because they, they lack imagination and leadership. 
I'm telling you, if I'm running a shop where you actually have to do stuff, I mean, here we have to get a radio show together and try to make it entertaining. And so it's not the question of, of, you know, you have to produce so many widgets or whatever. But I guarantee you, if I come in Friday mornings in the summer and I say, hey, guys, if we can get the stuff done and do it right now, but if we can get it done, let's all knock off at three o'clock. Stuff's going to get done. Oh, heck yeah. With a smile on faces. And then you immediately said, aha, so you can get it done by three. And from now on, you get it done by three every day. And we're working till six. And we're working till six. You sandbagging (laughs) SOBs. Right. Tired. I knew it the whole time. Right. Third place, a set of stick knives. (laughs) (laughs) Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross reference. And you rip off your football jersey, and there's a three piece suit under there. (laughs) New center dress code. I just I just thought it was interesting that at the very bottom of choices, last on the list, was a company picnic, and that's what a lot of the companies are going to go with offering for the Friday. Yeah. It's, it's tough, because again, I wish it was more popular and make people happier. It's better for society. But you, I think you need to know, as a boss, wherever you are, the people next to you are going to say, oh, that is a great idea, because you're their boss. Right. That's not what they're actually thinking. Right. About the company picnic. Back to the general who actually listens to the troops. It's and, not easy to do. And gets the troops to trust that they will be listened to, and they don't have to be incredibly careful with what they say. That's two-way street. Yeah. Now, a little bonus mailbag here to round out the uh, segment. First of all, Aaron in San Diego, frequently strong in his opinions. Talking about climate change, which we discussed uh, briefly. Uh, Looks like the two biggest issues for the Democrats are impeachment and climate change. On climate change, if the climate's changing, why would you focus efforts on changing the climate again? All of your efforts should be on adaptation, right? I mean, look, the entirety of the West could go electric, solar, wind, and it wouldn't make a squirrel fart's worth of difference when you factor in China and India. Well, Aaron, it matters to the squirrel, you know, when other squirrels are flatulating, but... I happen to be of that opinion, too. All of the plans to change the trajectory of, you know, the the climate or whatever that I've heard approached logically will not work. They cannot work. In fact, it's ridiculous to claim that they will work. So all of our energy ought to be poured into adaptation. Oof. And or super long term. Sunscreen and shorts. (laughs) Well, and buying up agricultural land in the Yukon. (laughs) Please. And now, it's time for Final Thoughts with those bereft of reason idiots, Armstrong and Getty. Oh, a little North Korean newscast there. <laughs> bereft of reason. Here's Some your host. editorializing. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Getty. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, oh. hey, now. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody. There he is, operating the board, making it happen. Michelangelo, final thought. Yeah, today Jack Armstrong tells the sex lives of Wink Martindale and Gene Rayburn, oh, 70s boy. game show host. Oh, jeez. Armstrongandgetty.com. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, Marshall Phillips, our esteemed newsman, your final thoughts. I got to tell you, yesterday after work, after my month hiatus, I went out and bought a packet of scratchers. Yes. Again, they are going to marinate for a few days, but by Friday, <laughs> I may once again be bringing home the bacon. Ah, with any luck. Positive Sean, your final thought? Yeah, I got hip to a, a new show that's on the, uh, the Amazon streaming service uh, called Too Old to Die Young. 
I, I can't give it my official seal of approval yet. Haven't seen it yet, but that's next on my radar. I will be watching it this week. I will let you guys know if you also should check it out. All right, looks promising, though, huh? Yes. All yes. right. Jack, final thought for us? Well, I did watch another episode of Catch-22 on Netflix. That's oh. a dang good show. Oh, right. Hulu, right, yeah. on Hulu. That's a dang good show. Uh, oh. We interviewed George Will earlier on his new book, The Conservative Sensibility. I'm actually going to read that book. It's long, it's detailed, but I'm going to actually read it. We have uh, our conversation uh, displayed under Armstrong and Getty Extra Large at armstrongandgetty.com or wherever podcasts are given away for free because we're stupid. Uh, my final thought is I forgot to leave the radio on for Baxter, my dog. My wife's out of town, and I try to leave the radio on, number one, to kind of keep him company. Because he wants num- to know the latest Trump story. Well, right, yeah. He's super political. Um, <laughs> And also, because if he hears my voice, he won't engage in hijinks. Mm. He'll walk around the house thinking, God, I, I hear him. Where is he? I better not go up on the counter, though. I would chew up this shoe, but I know he's around here somewhere. Armstrong Dang and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. See you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over! The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity, and we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Bye-bye. What's your secret? I mean, your other secret. Armstrong and Getty.